Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Mark. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Amen, amen, amen. How many of you appreciate the gift of Pastor Teddy in this place? He really is. He's not, like he says often, he, he's not the lead worshiper. He's the prompter. They're up on the stage just to prompt us to get us, the worshipers, to see God for who he really is. How many of you thankful that we just don't sing songs here, but we look at the condition of our hearts, which is to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. How many of you would say, I want to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? So thankful for that reminder, thankful and convicted. Any of you convicted or just me? Man, Lord help me. Well, my name is Edward, one of the pastors here. Look forward to continuing in our verse-by-verse teaching series through the book of Mark. And to get us started in doing that this weekend, I'm going to put up in just a moment a couple of words on the screen. And when I put up these words on the screen... I want you to see what emotions follow looking at these two words. What emotions, what words come to your mind, a little bit of word association, what feelings. Uh, So let's jump right into it. If you're ready for the two words, say, I'm ready. Ready. Come on, 1030 service, let's go. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. Okay, here we go. Here are the two words, authority, authority figures. How do those words make you feel? What do those words make you think about? What other words come to mind as you look at those words? Some of you may say, oh, I'm I'm thankful for authority and authority figures. I'm skeptical of authority and authority figures. I'm scared of authority, authority figures. Here's a few words that I hope we can all rally around here. Hopefully, some of you have come to mind some authority figures who've helped you along the years. I have two parents. I'm so thankful that even this past week, as I needed prayer and encouragement, as I'm a grown adult, my parents have ministered to me, prayed for me. How many of you are thankful for parents that are good parents who love you and who raised you up to know Jesus? Hopefully there's some pastors and some teachers who've helped you along the way that even now you can just have a little praise in your heart. If you're sitting next to your mom or your dad or a loved one that's an authority figure, maybe you'd say, thanks so much, mom. Thanks so much, pops. But I know in a room of this size, there's probably some authority figures who've hurt us. Parents who've hurt you. Teachers who've hurt you, unfortunately, maybe even some pastors or spiritual leaders who've hurt you. And that breaks my heart for those of you who've been 
hurt by spiritual authority. Just want to say, I am so sorry. As someone who's been placed in a position of spiritual authority, I am so sorry that someone that God desired to use as a tool of his love and grace and mercy in your life at some point in your life hurt you. It's real. I have a coach uh, in high school. I can remember. He was my basketball coach. I, I played varsity basketball junior and senior year. Maybe I should clarify, I, I didn't play varsity junior and senior year. I sat the bench on my varsity, okay? I know Pastor Ricky over here, you can't relate to that, okay? You're just a starter, an all-star, okay? But I sat left bench and I held it down tough, okay? Left bench. All my bench warmers say amen, you know? Oh, y'all don't wanna call yourselves out, just me. There's a bunch of starters in this room. Y'all lying in the church, okay, well. I remember senior year, and I'm telling you, I wanted to quit. I was over it. I wasn't getting any playing time. He was putting me in with 25 seconds left. That's the worst. It's the worst. Coach, just leave me here. I don't want to run up and down for 25 seconds. And I said, Coach, basically, in so many words, I said, I quit, man. I quit. Year and a half of this sitting on the bench. I got a lot of things going on. You know, I was a... the president of the Christian club. I'm so proud of that. I was a part of the Filipino club in high school, represent, come on. And then I was in honors classes, all the things. And he goes, Edward, that's your problem. That's your problem. You can't focus on one thing. And if you can't focus on one thing, here's what's gonna happen to you. You're gonna be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And let me just tell you, that didn't lift my spirits that day. Those words haunted me for a while. I was hurt by a coach. Maybe some of you, you you would say, I haven't been held, hurt, or some of these I can relate to, but I've been held back. My parents are holding me back. My coach, my teacher is holding me back. They don't see my potential. My boss is holding me back. Someone say amen. Some of you like, ah, he doesn't see the greatness in me. And I have this discussion with you about authority figures because our question today that we're going to explore that I believe the Bible answers, the book of Mark answers, is simply this. How should followers of Jesus relate and respond to the authority of Christ in their lives? How should we relate to Jesus Christ's authority in our lives? And if you don't think this is an important question to explore, let me just give you three reasons. Number one, to the degree that for you, authority is problematic, Christianity is going to be painful. Just put my cards on the table. Pastor Ricky did a great job last week of teaching us about Christ's invitation to follow him. It starts with an invitation to follow him. But let me just tell you, as we make Jesus the Lord of our lives, he then asks us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. With authority, he says that. And so maybe you've been wondering, why is this Christian thing so difficult? Jesus follower thing so difficult. And let me tell you, it might be because you have a problem with authority. Let me continue on. A second reason why this matters, our capacity to live under the authority of Jesus Christ greatly influences our ability to live in the authority of Jesus Christ. How many of you who follow Jesus today would say, I want to live in the authority of Jesus. 
authority over my sin, authority over temptation, authority over the principalities and the dark forces of this world. I want to live in authority as a Jesus follower. Someone say amen. amen. Now, let me tell you, if we want to live in authority, we first have to be under authority. And if you've been feeling like, why aren't I living in the authority that Christ has for me? It might be because you have a problem with living under his authority. No one's amening these things. That's fine. Let's continue on. You are least likely to get unstuck in the areas where you remain most unsubmitted. Why is this discussion around authority important? Because as I look around the room and do my best not to minister to a crowd today, but to minister to one today, I know there are some, and as you sit here on this random Sunday in June, you, June, June, are we in June? I don't even know. In June, you find yourself stuck in your walk with Jesus, not making the type of progress that you want to, areas that you keep bumping into, and I would submit to you, you might be stuck because you're not submitted to an area that Christ has authoritatively spoken to your life. The good news is where we are at in our study in the book of Mark, 1, 21 through 34, you could turn there in your Bibles or apps now if you have that. We're going to get a lesson on the authority of Jesus. And for those of you who have missed out on our study this far, let me catch you up really quickly. Mark, he's one of four authors of autobiographical accounts of Jesus's life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark is one of those authors who writes a very quick account. And in the first few verses of this chapter one, John the Baptist comes onto the scene and he says, there's a Christ who's coming. He's the forerunner. The next message, we talked about the baptism of Jesus Christ. He comes and is baptized and Jesus anoints him and says, this is my son in who I'm well pleased. And shortly after that, the Holy Spirit, immediately after that, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted he overcomes that temptation, Jesus does. And then last week, Jesus gives the invitation to some followers to follow him. Those first few weeks have been a setup to Jesus' public ministry. Today, we enter into the first account in Mark of Jesus' public ministry. And so let's take a look at what Mark writes. And they, Jesus and the disciples, went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who, what? Had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with what? Authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. 
And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. A couple more verses, hang with me. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. And she began to serve them. Pause. Pause. Just want to say this. Jesus loves mother-in-laws. Come on, somebody. Jesus loves your mother-in-law. If you are a mother-in-law, you are loved by Jesus. Maybe not by your son-in-law. Maybe not by your daughter-in-law. But you are loved by Jesus. The proof is right here. Jesus healed. Let's give the mother-in-laws a big round of applause. Come on. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. This is the word of the Lord. How many of you are thankful for verse-by-verse teaching at Hope Church? We're going to talk about some demons today. Come on, somebody. Okay, well, that's a lot of text, a lot of text. So here's the quick summary. Jesus teaches, people are amazed, man was possessed, Jesus casts out demons, people are amazed again, Jesus heals many and casts out many more demons. Okay, what are we supposed to learn from all of that? Here's my roadmap for today. I love a good outline. The nature of Jesus' authority. That's what we're going to look at first. What was the nature of Jesus' authority? Then we're going to look at the peculiarity of a demon's response. Why is how the demon responded different, peculiar? And finally, we'll close with a challenge to Jesus' followers today. First, let's look at the nature. Let's look at the nature of his authority. Let's go back into the text. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them with one who had authority. Another spot says it this way. In the text we just read, they were all amazed. What is this? A new teaching with authority. For us to understand the nature of Jesus' authority, it'd be good to understand the the Greek word used for authority, because we know much of the New Testament was written in Greek. And the Greek word for authority in this text is the word exousia. Everyone say exousia. Exousia. To help understand this, R.C. Sproul, a commentator on the word of God, he says this. Jesus spoke, say it together, exousia out of substance. His teaching was supremely substantive. There was nothing superficial or light about it. This was the utterance of the one who was of the same essence as the Father. So Jesus' authority was rooted and grounded in God himself. No living person with authority can say this in the way that it can be said about Jesus. Any authority you or I have is because another human being gave us that authority. Jesus had authority, ultimate authority. Why? Because he was God. Tim Keller has this to say about exousia. The word literally means out of the original stuff. It comes from the same root as the word author. 
Mark means that Jesus taught about life with original rather than derived authority. He didn't just clarify something that they already knew or simply interpret the scriptures in the way the teachers of the law did. His listeners sensed somehow that he was explaining the story of their lives as the author, and it left them dumbfounded, as the author. Now, Pastor Vance wrote a couple books, Unburdened, Stressless Life, and we're not going to do a six-week study, but I wrote a book too. Okay, come on, somebody. Here we go. Stop, 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 stop. You can find it on Amazon, Only God, a supernatural church planning story. But it tells the story of my wife and I planting a church in Oakland, 30 specific stories of miracle moments along the church planning journey. And if you would say, who could speak most authoritatively about this book, it would have to be me. Why? Because I'm the author. This original stuff came from my life and my experiences. Even though someone else might read the book, they can't speak with much authority on it as much as myself as the author. And so I want to say it this way. These Theologians say it so clearly. I want to say it this way. Just as an author can speak most authoritatively on a book they have written, Jesus has the ultimate authority in the world he created. In the world he created. Let me say it another way. Jesus is the only one with all authority in heaven and earth because he is the only one who created all the heavens and the earth. Finally, one more time, just in case you're not getting it, Jesus' authority is ultimate and all because he ultimately created it all. How many of you are thankful for a God with all authority? <laughs> ultimate, all. And just as an encouragement, because I know some of us come today here burdened by the way we see authority figures living out their life and living out their authority and their power and they're hurting people and they're abusing people. I just wanna let you know, all earthly authority figures, there is not one who isn't under the ultimate authority of God. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. So take a deep breath. Blow it out, it's gonna be okay. I know you're stressed, I know you're angry, but the nature of Jesus' authority, ultimate and all. Now, let's take a look now at the peculiarity of a demon's response. Because the people in that day, as they heard Jesus teach, they were amazed at his teaching and they sensed that exousia, they sensed that authority. But it wasn't only the people in that day that sensed it. The demon-possessed man with the demon inside of him, he understood it as well. Let's take a look. There in the synagogue, there's a man with an unclean spirit. Have you come to destroy us, he asked. I know who you are, the demon says. I know who you are. And that at the end of the text that we just read, when Jesus has healed Peter's mother-in-law, when he's cast out more demons and done more healing, at the end of that, he says he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. The demons knew who Jesus was. Now, this word knew, 
is a very peculiar word in the Greek language. It, to know what this word new means will help us understand and appreciate what's going on in this text. And Pastor Tom McCormick, big shout out. He helps our teaching team every single week understand the Greek in the Hebrew. And this week, he has his notes were so good on this passage, I just want to give it to you directly. How many of you are thankful for Pastor Tom and the love he has for this church? This is what he says. You're going to love this and probably not understand it all. A pluperfect tense verb in Greek is very rare, and all the nerds go, woo-hoo. Pluperfect is used of an action that had been completed prior to some point in the past. It is the perfect tense adjusted backwards in time. Think about that for the next three months. Here's the point. The demons knew Jesus before he ever showed up on the scene healing anyone. The demons have always known of Jesus' deity. He created them as regular angels, but they followed the chief angel, Lucifer, and fell with him. What's going on here? Well, first of all, as we look at the demons' peculiar response, first of all, we've got to understand the demons have known Jesus for a really long time. Why? Because some of you are like, what is going on here? Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, you got to read it for yourself. It's the account of when an angel who wanted to have more power than God was cast out of heaven. We know him now as Lucifer. And when Lucifer was cast out of heaven, commentators say about one third of the angels went with him. This is where we get demons from. It's the angels who fell with Lucifer. I'm going to talk more about demons in just a moment, but let's go a little bit deeper into the peculiarity of this demon's response. Because not only do these demons know Jesus, look what they say. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The demons acknowledge Jesus was the Holy One of God. Why is this so peculiar? Because the teachers, the Pharisees, and the scribes in that day who studied the Torah, who studied the Holy Scriptures, even they did not recognize Jesus as God. They actually would go on to crucify Jesus for saying he was God. But the demons knew first. Here's the problem. I love the way Tony Evans says it. Demons have the insight to know who Jesus is, but they are unwilling to worship him. This demon could call it out. You are the Holy One, Son of God, but didn't bow and worship. Tony Evans says it so good, but here's the way I say it. Full acknowledgement of Jesus' deity with zero desire to submit to Jesus' authority. Full acknowledgement, zero desire. Don't worry, I'll make this connection to our lives. Don't get so excited. <laughs> but before I do, let me do a little digression on demons because some of you can't even pay attention because you're like, demons, are they real? Is this, what is going on? And indeed, they are. So here's just a few things I wanna say really quickly about demons. Number one, demons are divisive. 
the goal of an unclean spirit, the goal of a demon, the goal of those who fell with Lucifer are to divide you from the kingdom of God, the will of God, and the purposes of God. Now, how do demons and unclean spirits attempt to do that? They do that by being deceitful. The scripture says that the enemy is a liar and the father of all lies. Some of you grew up in churches. What did they say? The devil is a lie. They didn't even finish the word liar. They just said the devil is a lie. The devil is a liar. And that's how the devil attempts to separate us from the kingdom of God. But the devil isn't satisfied and demons aren't satisfied with just lying to you from a distance. In many ways, a demon's desire is dominion over your life. That's why we see in the scriptures people who were possessed by demons. Uh Uh-oh, Edward, where are you going? I'm going where the scripture's taking us, friends. We have an account of people possessed by demons. So the question naturally is, well, can Christians be possessed by demons? And here's what you need to know. I don't know, and there is no way that a follower of Jesus Christ can be full of the Holy Spirit of the Lord and have any room for any sort of demonic activity. If you are full of the Spirit, you are absent of the enemy. Here's what John Bloom has to say about it. The devil has no authority over any Christian except the authority we grant him by believing him. Where are you believing the lies of the enemy? Because that is where you open up a window for the enemy to have a stronghold in your life. But hear me loud and clear, friend. Here's the best part about it, the last point. Demons are defeated. They're defeated. When Jesus was crucified and he rose on the third day, not only did he defeat death, he defeated the devil and he defeated demons forever and ever and ever. And now, in the name of Jesus, Satan, you have no stronghold in our lives, in my life. Now, that was like two and a half minutes on demons. There's a lot more you can learn. There's some resources here. HopeChurchLV.com slash Mark if you want to know more. In that notes app, sermon notes on your app, Hope Church app, there's the link. But I got to say this, friends. We will not overcome the enemy by learning more about the enemy. The goal of your life should not be to do an exhaustive study of demons, The goal of your life should be to know who you are in Christ and make much of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords so that the enemy has no place in your life. So please don't order every single one of these books and go on some deep dive. These are phone calls we do not want to get at Hope Church. Thank you very much. Now, before we close this message and build the bridge from our understanding of the text to our lives, let me give you really quickly the general biblical interpretation of the text we've just studied and read. There's a lot to say, but here's the main thing I want to say. Jesus proved the authority of his teaching by demonstrating the effectiveness of his healing. How did we know his authority was real? Because his healing worked. 
How many of you are thankful that Jesus isn't just authoritative and we sense it, but we could see it through healings and through the way that he um, delivered people from demons? It was the proof of his deity, of his divinity. That is the biblical interpretation. Now, you're a married couple who's here today. You're a teenager who's here, a student getting ready to go to camp. How many students in the room getting ready to go to camp? Oh, maybe they're on the outside or something, but there's eight of them here. Um, single mom, single guy. What does this have to do with me? Great, I understand. Exousia, great, I understand. Demons knew God. Demons knew Jesus. What does that have to do with me? And so that's what I want to get into as we close. The challenge to Jesus' followers today. What does this mean for our lives? Because Hope Church, come on. The last thing you need is more Bible knowledge. The last thing you need is another note in your notebook, on your phone. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, that's ooh. Come on, whole church, didn't you come to service today because you wanted your life to be changed by the king? Did you come to just check the box that says I went to, some of you didn't answer this, so I, I'm thinking like you did. Come on, come on, whole church, did we come to be changed? Or maybe you didn't come to be changed. Would you say right now, and I want to be changed by the power of God. I want to be different. <clears throat> You're making me work right now. I don't have my hanky on me, my preacher's hanky. Okay, here we go. If you're ready for the challenge, say, I'm ready. ready. You're not ready, but here's the question. How does your faith, Hope Church, differ from the faith of demons? As I build, yeah, Jesus is calling you. He is calling you now. Jesus is calling, the piano's playing. Are you gonna pick up? Here we go. Here we go. Even demons believe. Even demons believe. James, the half-brother of Jesus, when he writes about it, he says it this way. This is the paraphrase. Eugene Peterson, do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful, that's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? How's our faith, our belief in Jesus differ from the belief that the demons had in Jesus? I'll say it this way, ask it this way. Do we acknowledge Jesus as God but refuse to submit to his authority as Lord? So let's think about our lives. Let's break it up in some categories. Let's not just be hearers of the word, but let's be doers of the word. Actions, attitudes, authority figures. If you are interested as a follower of Jesus Christ to more fully submit your life to the authority of King Jesus, you're gonna have to examine, do my actions line up with the things he's authoritatively spoken over my life? 
Husbands, the scripture says, honor. It says love, I'm sorry, love your wife as Jesus Christ loved the church and gave his life up for it. Husbands, out of one side of our mouths, are we saying Jesus is Lord, but we're neglecting the authoritative command to love our bride like Christ loves the church. For those of you who have parents in the room, living and around today, you acknowledge Jesus is Lord, but are you disobeying, ignoring the command that says, honor your father and mother? But I know some of you right now, well, my mom isn't honorable. If you know my dad, you, you wouldn't ask me to honor. Honor your father and mother. Do not steal, do not lie, do not envy. Yes, Jesus, you're my Lord, but I'm gonna do it my own way. Actions, what actions need to come up under the lordship of Jesus? What attitudes? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Because some of you, you're good. You've been in church. You could do the action. But your attitude. See, I'll do the right thing, but if anyone had a, had a sonogram, whatever, into my heart, and they could see what my heart looked like, ooh-wee. Some of you, yeah, you listen to your boss, but what's your attitude towards your boss? Mm. You listen to your parents, but what's your attitude towards your parents? The scripture says, do everything without complaining or grumbling. Finally, you're going to love this one. Authority figures. How are you doing, Hope Church? with submitting to earthly authority that has been placed in your life as an expression of your submission to God's authority in your life. Can anyone tell you anything? I talk to the fellas for just a minute. You know when I get up here, I like to talk to the fellas. Fella, dude, don't be that guy that no one can tell anything. It is not cool to not be able to be under authority. Why? Because Jesus was a man who was under authority, yet he had all the authority in heaven and on earth. It is not weak to submit yourself to the boss that God has placed in your life, to the parents that God has placed in your life. Now I know there are authorities, authority structures, but that's for God to figure out. And I know there's pain and I know there's heartache, but specifically for the authority that God has put in your life, that you know that God has put it in your life. How are you submitting to that authority as an expression of your submission to God? Let me just be honest. Why can I speak to the fellas in the way I am and I got some passion? Ever since I got back from Jordan, the missions trip, 
man, there's been some spiritual warfare in my life. There's been some sickness that has kept me out. There's, and more than that, I don't know why, but coming back, there was fresh opportunity for me, like in real life, to be challenged to submit my actions and my attitudes to submit to authority figures as a fresh expression of saying, Jesus, you're my Lord. And I've got to tell you, as these opportunities have been presented to me, nothing in me wanted to submit. Everything in me, no, no, no. I've given you this already. I've given you that already. Why are you always asking for more, God? What, because you have all authority? I got to give you all the praise and all the honor to which God is looking down like, yes. And I want to tell you from personal experience, this isn't easy, but by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me, over this last month, I have given Jesus a fresh surrender and I feel free in the name of Jesus. I feel free in the name of Jesus. And some of you will never experience the freedom that I stand here with today if you don't once and for all say, not my will, but your will be done. It's a 1030 service. I'm just going to take a few more moments. Is that okay? Used to be with my mom in a grocery store. And we'd see a young kid acting out. Toy store, whatever. And my mom would say, that child's will needs to be broken. Whoa, uh, whoa, easy, easy. Just parent me, just stay focused. Let's... But as I've been doing this pastoring thing for a while, as I've been living the life of a Jesus follower for a while, the people who I see struggle most with following Jesus are the ones who refuse to come under the authority of Jesus in every area of their life. So hopefully at this point you're asking, so how do I do it? How did you do it, Ed? And let me just tell you, I didn't do anything. I looked to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, and I looked to Jesus not only as the author and the finisher, but as someone who, though he had all authority, was also under authority. Let's take a look at it. John 5, 19, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Look at our submitted savior. You wanna be a follower of Jesus? Follow him here. He says it one more time in John, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And it isn't just what to say and what to speak. Let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane, just moments before Jesus is to be crucified. Because Jesus followed the authority of his heavenly Father, Almighty God, 
He said, I don't take this responsibility from me, the responsibility to die for humanity. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Translation, I submit. And because Jesus submitted, a few things are true. Number one, we could be forgiven for every time we don't submit. How many of you are thankful for the forgiveness of Jesus Christ purchased on the cross? Not only are forgiven, number two, then when we're asked to submit to Jesus, we're actually being asked to submit to someone who's already done it at the highest level. And not only that, but we are then given the power to submit by the same Holy Spirit that lived inside of Jesus Christ. See, over this last month, as the Lord gave me the power to submit my actions and attitudes to him in a fresh way. It wasn't me who was doing it. It was Jesus living his life through me. This is the beauty of the Christian message. It's not religion, pick it up, try harder, try harder. Oh, just obey Jesus. No, no, no. It's surrender, abide, and he bears submitted fruit through you and I when we make that step of submission. Can you imagine this week, today, today, you leave here with another sense of freedom because you've given Jesus the opportunity to live his submitted life through you in the areas where you're white-knuckling it. No, won't listen to my husband, won't listen to my wife, won't listen to my mom, won't listen to my boss. No, 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 I only listen to God. Careful, because your opportunity to listen to God is when you listen to the authority God has placed in your life. We need to pray and wrap this thing up because you need to respond. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I know I'm laboring up here, not because I'm trying to do this in my own strength. I'm laboring up here because I know you want to set some people free today. God, I know what this last month has been like for me. fighting what you desire to be true in my life. And I know that freedom lies on the other side of saying, not my will, but your will be done. So Father God, by your Holy Spirit, would you bring many to repentance today to turn from their stubbornness, to turn from their strong will, I pray, just like my mom said, that will of that child needs to be broken. I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would break the will of Jesus' followers all around this place today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Couple ways to respond. This is the most important part. Please don't just get up and leave. As the music plays in just a moment, as we sing of the worthiness of Jesus' name. There are some of you, the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you. 
You know you've been fighting him on that thing, on that sin that you don't want to let go, on confessing, on whatever it is. And as the song begins to play, the first invitation I want to give is to those of you who would say, I need the power of God to overcome. I need Jesus to live through me because if he doesn't do it through me, I'm definitely not going to do it on my own. And I think by walking this aisle, coming forward, asking for prayer, if you don't want to ask for prayer, just kneel at the altar. I feel and I know that the power of Jesus Christ can see you through. But what if humility is your responsibility? The power to do it is Jesus's, but the humility is your responsibility. That's the first invitation. Second invitation. Definitely couldn't preach a message like this without giving an opportunity for those of you who sense and feel like, man, I think there is a very real enemy, a demon who has been oppressing me and lying to me. It's something so much more than just living the life of a Jesus follower. I think there is demonic opposition in my life. And if that's you, we as pastoral leadership, we want to serve you. We want to minister to you. We want to meet you where you're at. And so the second invitation, as the music begins to play, we're going to have our encouragers here at the front. They're going to be in yellow shirts. And they're going to walk you to the prayer room off to the left here where some pastors and encouragers can hear your story, can confirm that you're a follower of Jesus Christ so you can live in the authority of Jesus Christ and pray for you in the name of Jesus. No, no hocus pocus in the prayer room, no funny business, no special juice, just the name of Jesus. And if you want the name of Jesus pled and prayed over your life specifically, if you feel like there's some demonic activity in your life, we want to pray for you. The third response, the third invitation as we sing is, if you've never followed Jesus, if you've never received his forgiveness for your sins, if you've never made him the Lord of your life, you just come up to one of the pastors and say, I want to know Jesus. I want to make him Lord. So Heavenly Father, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, and I want to ask you to move, move in this place have your way. We surrender all. You're worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.